2015 MLS season is still six months away, but Orlando and New York City FC took a step closer to making their entry into Major League Soccer a reality. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsa. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. Uh, for once, I can actually say good morning. We're doing our yep. show uh, bright and early, and for those who can't tell, Garrett is dead as a doornail right now. I am, I am not dead as a doornail. <laughs> I, uh, I went out last night, and I, and I watched uh, Arizona State get throttled by ucla so i shouldn't have gone out last night it was bad it was a bad game <laughs> yeah pretty much as you guys know garrett is still uh, clinging on to his college years and has to go to every college football game i, I don't see what, what the problem is with that what is the problem with me going to what, my college what? games because you're not you're not you're done man it's it happened like move on like watch it on tv what stop holding no. on to the glory years of your youth glory years please my football program was horrible when i went to school there I just mean glory years in terms of partying at ASU. And no, it, those were, those a, those know, were not my those were not my glory. No, 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 my glory years were post ASU. Is that what it was? Yeah, pre pre ball and chain is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it. Look, because everyone knows. I mean, dude, it's incredibly cheaper to go to. Look, this. What are we doing? We're not even a college football show. We're a soccer show, Ibis. This is what happens. You get me <laughs> distracted right. here. We talk about everything here. That's true. Relationships, TV shows, we do it all. Everyone loved your TV shows, by the way. Mine did not go over that well from the last show. (laughs) Why is that a shock? I don't know. You saw my uh, tweet that I sent you, though. No. I I discovered this new show called Real Husbands of Hollywood. And I thought, I was like, like, hear me out, hear me out. I was like, Real Husbands of Hollywood? I was like, that's a joke. No way. So I click it. It's a parody show. And Kevin Hart is the star. It's, It's hilarious. Yeah, no, I mean, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. I haven't seen it. Oh, my gosh. It's on Netflix. Dude, you have to watch it. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. I, it's on the list. It's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right, Ivis. Well, getting back to what we do best, talking soccer. As we just mentioned, the MLS expansion draft draw came out for Orlando and New York City FC. And uh, Orlando City, man, already getting better of or New York City uh, coming away as the big winner in the draft that was on Wednesday. Right. I, I actually I was in New York for that. Um, I had a chance to spend some time with the Orlando City folks, and they definitely had a pretty good day there as their first day of official business. Uh, obviously, uh, they they uh, were officially added as an expansion team a year ago, but this was kind of the first day as a club that they you know started taking the real steps towards building their team, and and uh, they had a great day, no doubt about it. You know, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting that for those who missed the draw. Uh, Jason Christ uh, kind of botched uh, his picks. You know, they each had to uh, pick one of the eight mechanisms, and uh, he, he kind of m- made a mistake in, in picking the wrong one when it was when it was his turn. And uh, it, it's not a huge thing at the end of the day, but if you're Orlando City, you got to be pretty happy that you come away with three of the top four, uh, by most people's measure, three of the top four mechanisms available. And you're right. I mean, Orlando City came away with the MLS draft expansion first overall choice. That will be on December 10th. 
And then, Ivis, they also got the first pick in the MLS Super Draft. I mean, unfortunately, Jason Christ made a mistake, but, I mean, Orlando, I mean, it just played very nicely for them on Wednesday. It's just amazing how it worked out in their favor. Right. And just to clarify for those uh, who <clears throat> you didn't really follow it or anything, uh, it's not like NYCFC didn't make out with what they wanted. I think getting the top spot in the allocation order, it, it was a high priority for them, and they did get that. And I think that does put them in a good position heading into the year because, let's face it, if there's any high-profile American player that comes back to MLS, uh, who's not going to want to come play in New York City, right? I mean, whoever it could be. I mean, just, you know, I know that obviously there's a lot of talk about Josie Altador. I personally don't see him coming back to MLS at, at this point in his career. He's young. He's he's getting minutes uh, pretty regularly at, at Sunderland. No, he is not starting, although he did start and scored a goal in Capital One Cup uh, this midweek. But I just don't see it. I think, you know, considering the money that he's on over there and considering the, the, mm-hmm. the ability uh, to play it in a top league like that, I, I don't see him giving that up. But still, having said that, every year you have Americans come back. And I think it, NYCFC having that top allocation spot puts them in a pretty good position. And for those who don't know what we're talking about as far as Christ messing up, uh, it was the fourth. Uh, it was his turn to pick the what was basically the fourth pick on the board overall. And he and he instead of picking the USL Pro NASL <clears throat> uh, top spot in that order, uh, he, I, he I believe he picked Discovery. Um, and what basically what that basically means, yeah, what that basically means is that he by botching that he has now allowed Orlando City to have the first pick among available USL Pro and NASL players who who could come back who could come into MLS. And I know there were some people in the lower divisions who were kind of didn't know what the heck that was about and. Uh, I think I think it was the owner of the GM of Minnesota uh, United kind of tweeted at me. He's like, "What? What is this?" Like he he was like, he didn't quite understand what was going on. It's not as if MLS teams or these expansion teams can go raid uh, the Minnesota <laughs> Minnesota roster or any rosters in NASL. These players still have to be available. They still have to be free agents. Uh, in years past, teams have done really well. I mean, the one player that comes to mind, uh, Seattle Sounders, when they grabbed Osvaldo Alonso uh, in their expansion year. So, I mean, there's obviously talent down there to be had. But again, if the NASL and USL pro teams have been smart about getting their players under contract, it's not going to be an issue. Although you could have Orlando or New York City uh, also offer transfer yeah. uh, transfer fees potentially uh, to bring in some higher level uh, players because there's talent down there for people who don't know. So, But getting back to the whole point, Orlando City made out top, top pick in the expansion draft, which mm-hmm. is huge, very huge. And topic in the MLS draft, I know everyone's talking about how down the draft is. I agree with that in terms of overall value, but I think there are going to be some top prospects in this draft. Uh, one that comes to mind is UConn forward Kyle Aaron, the Canadian striker. Uh, funny enough, uh, I spoke to Adrian Heath, before, uh, the Orlando City coach, before this whole draw on Wednesday. I was in New York City. I got to meet up, got to meet up with those guys. And he, had, he told me he was at the UConn game uh, a day or two earlier, so he, get, he already got a kind of close look at Laren. He obviously isn't going to tip his hand off, but I tell you what, Kyle Aaron, keep that keep that name in mind, folks, as a potential number one overall pick in the draft. I can see it now. If Jason Christ doesn't work out in New York, someone could write the article. It all started, you know, thirty-seven months ago with this horrible mistake. You know, not a horrible mistake, but the mistake he made on Wednesday in New York City. I can see the article now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not. But I tell you what, I tell one thing. I will say at the end of the day. Uh, what happened on Wednesday with the draw, none of it matters unless these teams actually 
make good picks. So Orlando City, as much as they quote unquote made out, they still have to make good picks because all all they've done at this point is earn the chance to go before New York City FC. But if they botch their picks, then New York City FC can still end up being the true winner. So when we talk about the expansion draft, if Orlando City is going to have the very first pick in the expansion draft, there's going to be there's going to be some pretty good talent in this expansion draft, in my opinion. Uh, and so from that standpoint, Orlando has, Orlando City still has to pick the right guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't, and if they come up short, you can rest assured Jason Christ and NYCFC will be there to pounce. Well, to add more, just kind of bad juju over New York City FC. There are reports coming out that Frank Lampard. Uh, that he will be uh, his loan will be extended with Manchester City. New York City FC is coming out and denying that, Ivis. But uh, I mean, look, I I think Lampard's gonna be a quality player in MLS. I hope he comes over very soon and very shortly. But just kind of you know something that that the new club is gonna have to deal with for a while. I, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, he's under contract, as far as I understand, uh, to NYCFC, and it, it's not unfair of them to want him to be with the team as early as possible to get into a training camp and get ready for the new season. And I, I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, as much as it's been great that, you know, he's, he's been a, able to contribute to Man City mm-hmm. coming off the bench. That dramatic goal against Chelsea obviously was one of the storylines of uh, of this past week. But, you know, uh, he they need him to come in. And and, and I don't I think being the, profession, the professional that he is, mm-hmm. I think Lampard is going to respect that. And I think he'll be in there. So I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. Uh, I did think it was pretty funny that that you had some folks uh, kind of laugh at Christ's comments as if he has no say in the matter, and as if Man City is just going to completely ignore NYCFC's uh, d- demands or needs. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still that's still a team in their umbrella, and they're not just going to start things off in a negative way by ignoring what their new team wants. So, I, I it, you know what, if you're an NYCFC fan, uh, I wouldn't worry about it in the least. Well, the one thing I always found funny is, is we had, you know, we talked about this on the last show with Pirlo and everyone saying, oh, you know, these guys coming over, they're past their prime. And look at Frank Lampard, man. He's contributing in the English Premier League, like you said, had a goal against Chelsea. They need to score two goals, I think, this past week against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, he's having a quality season. He, he can still play at that level. There's no doubt about it. And I did think it was funny. I read, I read some, some English uh, newspaper or English report uh, that, that made a note after the Lampard goal against Chelsea how, He's he's still he's too good for MLS, uh, something to that effect. And I'm just thinking to myself. So basically, if you can, if you can score a goal in in the Premier League, you can't play in MLS. You're too, you're too good. And I thought that well, was pretty that's, hilarious. That's that's, that's <laughs> just you know what it's, that's the typical uh, English snobbery that I just find hilarious for a country that that has been you know pretty crap on the international level. And relies heavily on on international players to make their league what it is, but it is what it is. You know, the league's uh, MLS continues to fight for respect. At, at the end of the day, I can tell you this: as as good as Lampard still is, he is not coming to MLS and tearing it up. He's not going to be a Golden Boot com- uh, contender in MLS. He's not going to just dominate games in MLS because the quality in MLS is better than people give it credit for. He will come in and be a solid player. I, that is pretty clear. He's going to be, you know, he's still an elite player, but anyone who thinks he's going to walk on water over here it needs to understand that MLS is much tougher than that. Well, that's the other thing I think that makes, you know, the kind of Jason Christ's mistake on Wednesday just so much more glaring is, and, you know, you see this with Major League Soccer teams, DPs aren't the answer. You have to have 11 guys on the field that can contribute. You just can't bring over one or two guys. They're going to be able to carry your team. Look at Toronto. There's a perfect example of that. So, 
it just yeah, I, I, I still I, I need to read that article that he's too good for MLS though. It, it <laughs> wasn't a, it wasn't to be it wasn't a full blown article. It was just kind of a note inside a notebook or something. And I was just looking. I just saw it and I'm like, this guy. You know, it, part of me is like, you know what, this guy's trolling for traffic because Lord knows that if you want to get some traffic, you rip on American soccer, you rip on American soccer fans. And they'll come and 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 just go crazy about it. So <laughs> it is it is what it is. But you know what? This isn't a new thing. Obviously, Ashley Cole earlier in the year, uh, you know, talked about MLS being a vacation that he wasn't ready for. And I'm just, you know what? It is you you, you can't get upset about it. You can't if you if you you know what the league has in terms of quality and how much it has improved. Uh, you're going to deal with that sort of stuff. So it, it's a league that continues to fight for respect, and it's a league that it still has a ways to go. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At the end of the day, all that stuff just talk. Well, looking back at this past week of Major League Soccer play, Ivis, a ton of uh, MLS teams were playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. Some things did work out for certain teams. Uh, but unfortunately, New York Red Bulls, tall task for them. We talked about it previously. They had to win both games in their group. They are now eliminated with the Montreal Impact, Ivis, winning Group 3. Right. Uh, you know, on one hand, uh, it, it's not a complete shot. Uh, if you've been following the Red Bulls at all, you know that their bench is just not that strong. And I think it kind of came to a head in this in the, these couple of games that they had where, uh, you know, you come in, you're playing a Montreal team that hasn't had anything to play for in league play for months and has been able to focus on Champions League, uh, and you lose to them. And then you turn around and you go play CD Foss, a team that, you know, even though you're on the road and there's a challenge to play in Central America, you should be able to to win that game but you know what their backups are just not that good uh they're really a top heavy team as a starting 11 they have they've really put together a strong starting lineup again that's playing really well in league play but when you want to play on when you want to compete on dual fronts dual competitions you need to have depth and and i wrote a piece for goal.com uh that's out now uh that dropped this morning i believe and and it focused on that on the red bulls and how you know what? They only have themselves to blame for for putting together uh, a team that isn't that deep. And mm-hmm. uh, you people can talk about the salary cap, but the salary cap's more of an issue when you get into the knockout rounds, when you're trying to compete against Mexican clubs that spend millions and millions of dollars. But if you're playing a team from El Salvador, that's not an excuse. Even if you play your backups, you should be able to win. Uh, and the teams that do well, generally speaking, in the in the, in the group stages for for MLS are teams that have that balance. Look at this year alone. DC United, KC, Portland, they all have pretty good depth. They all have second teams that, that can mm-hmm. be competitive and, and, and have balance. But uh, you know how it is. When, when you the salary cap is how it is, you can't afford to waste money. You can't afford to have uh, uh, you know player signings that, that don't pan out because if you have enough of those, your bench is going to be terrible. Well, some, some some other games that did happen, Sporting Kansas City won their game, D.C. won theirs. We did talk about this. Portland went out and smashed Alpha United. So if you're looking at the, the results right now, Ivis, D.C. is through. They, they've advanced from their group. Uh, Portland looks like they should be able to advance from their group, and Sporting Kansas City also looks like they should be able to advance from their group, even though Sporting Kissy has to go down to, uh, to Costa Rica. That's a little bit of a tough one. Uh, and same with Portland. They also have to go on the road. But, you know, depending if, you know, look, if they come away with the draw, they advance to the next round. So we should be able, Ivis, to see, you know, fingers crossed, all the MLS teams moving on to the next round, which they should. Right. I mean, the way the format's set up, I mean, they changed the format and made it even easier in a way because before it was 14 group stages and MLS teams usually had to deal with uh, Mexican teams. And even then, Mexican teams kind of took it easy on the group stage, sending their backups a lot of the times. Uh, This time around, you should have uh, four MLS teams in the quarterfinals. 
the way things are laid out, it's the only thing that was a little surprising is that it, it, it ends up being Montreal going through instead of the Red Bulls. But look, credit to Montreal, uh, they refocused their energies mm-hmm. when when their season went to uh, you know went to the crapper uh, in MLS play. And Frank Lopez has that team playing really well now, and and they still have that kind of carrot to carry them through into 2015. But you know you're going to have all four teams now: Portland, KC, you know, barring anything crazy, Portland, yep. KC. Portland, KC, DC, and Montreal, but the real, the you know, the real action starts in the knockout rounds next year. And obviously, MLS has a lot ha- has some issues to deal with because you know the CBA is going to be up. Uh, you know, how is that going to work out if, when the teams are going to still be negotiating on, on the on the next labor contract? Will that impact the Champions League? So. A lot, a lot remains to be seen on that front. Oh, you know, the crazy thing, though, when, when you do look at the standings right now, out of the Mexican size, Pachuca has advanced so far, Ivis, but Leon is eliminated. And then uh, Cruz Azul and also uh, America. I mean, they're, even though the MLS teams, the, the MLS teams look like they're in a better spot to advance than the Mexican teams. How crazy would that be if things play out where you only see one Mexican club advance? Right. Well, you know what? It's, 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 it's funny because uh, you, I'm sure the Mexican teams were aware of the changes that were made to the format and they probably and they even when it was the old format they would they took it pretty lightly a lot of times they would send their send reserve teams uh to to play in these group stages and now you figure they're doing it again and maybe even sending younger teams and they've paid the price for it but as we know if they get to the knockout rounds they're going to send they're going to send their stronger teams and it's going to be that much tougher for MLS teams especially when as we see every year MLS teams are early in their seasons uh, they don't have a lot of games under their belt, and they have to play these Mexican teams that are f- in full swing mm-hmm. in in their campaigns. Yeah, well, look, if, if people, if you're looking for something to watch, and, and you're one of those people that just wants to hate on the Mexican league, and you know, say that it provides no value for anything. I mean, look, you got October to be paying attention to because there seriously is a chance that only one Mexican club could advance, which that would just be crazy. Uh, another midweek game, Ivis. This one, not CONCACAF Champions League. This is Major League Soccer. FC Dallas picked up a major, major victory over the Seattle Sounders, defeating them 3-1. to one. FC Dallas now keeping pace with Real Salt Lake for the third spot in the Western Conference. Uh, David Texera with a brace in this one. Ivis, this is a huge victory for FC Dallas. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big victory even just on, on its own. But when you consider the fact that FC Dallas is playing without Fabian Castillo, their, their star their, uh, of the season, their best player this year. I mean, that's huge for them. To, I mean, it, to show that, you know, they have that quality uh, in their depth, uh, David Teixeira, for him to come on. And, you know, he's really hasn't really contributed that much this year. Uh, but for him to step up the way he did, I mean, that's huge for them. Uh, I, I still don't see them catching or, or passing ourselves for the, the number three spot the number three spot in the West, but, you know, that's still a big win for them, gives them momentum heading towards the playoffs. As far as Seattle goes, it, it is interesting how uh, you look at it and all of a sudden you start saying to yourself, are they in a slump? I wouldn't say it's time to panic for Seattle fans, even though there's still the thoughts of last year when the team really fell apart late in the season. Uh, this is only their second uh, two-game losing streak of the year. They haven't had a three-game losing streak uh, this year. As a matter of fact, they're the only team in MLS that hasn't had uh, by my count, a three-match winless streak even. So uh, even the one other time earlier in the year uh, where they had their two-game losing streak uh, before and after the All-Star game, they were able to pick it up and get a win. Uh, they, they've, they've had some rough patches, but, they, you know, look, you look at these games. They just won the Open Cup. There is going to be a little bit of a hangover. They played mostly reserves against the Red Bulls and got, got beat up there. Uh, so, but they, they're going to be fine. And you know what? 
nothing cures a slump like a trip to Chivas <laughs> yeah. USA, and that's what they have. Seattle's going to play Chivas USA. And I tell you what, I don't know if Las Vegas takes action on MLS games, but if they do, you probably think they're going to take that Chivas Seattle game off the board because that, that'd be the easiest money anyone ever made because there's just no way, no way Chivas is beating Seattle. Yeah, and it's not like Seattle played horribly on Wednesday. I mean, they did have a good game. I mean, Seattle's problem was that they just made a few mistakes and got beat, and, and, and you know, some guys kind of... You know, you had moments where, you know, Seattle made a mistake, FC Dallas punished them, and, and that's what good teams do. You need to punish teams that make mistakes. It's not – it's it's amazing. Chivas USA, Slump Buster, that should just be the, the label that's, on, on they, top of They should of change their name. On. They should be Slump Buster FC. That, that be <laughs> uh, the other reason why this is also a big victory for some other teams other than FC Dallas, LA Galaxy now, Ives, even though they were behind – uh, even though Seattle did have a game on the Galaxy, both teams now 54 points, 29 matches played. So this is a huge victory also for LA Galaxy on, on, on that end too. Absolutely, and it's setting up for that end of the year home-and-home uh, home series between those two teams. They're going to be playing for the Supporter Shield. I mean, uh, but you know, barring anything crazy, uh, they, it looks like they're going to be matching up against each other. And I know, uh, you know, RS, as we've been saying for a while, RSL could catch both those teams. Uh, they're still five points back, but... If you're LA, you have to be feeling pretty good about the fact that that you've been able to catch Seattle, and you haven't really hit your stride. I mean, I know they've had some good games and some good, you know, big big blowout wins and all that, but you know, I don't think we've seen LA's best yet, and that's the scary part. So, uh, if if they do take take it to another gear, you have to start talking about LA as the favorite. Really, uh, LA's best? They're killing it right now. Yeah, that is you know a what? scary thought, Ivis. Look, no, you know what? It's when you're beating teams who are a man down for 89 minutes, or or beating teams that that, that are struggling. I mean, you know, they let's look at let's look at their recent schedule. They beat FC Dallas, right? They had to come back to win that game and win it late. So it's not like they they cruised in that game. Uh, and before that, they had some blowout wins. Eh, you know, I, they they were playing well. They're playing well. I no doubt about it. I mean, look at that. The run of results that they've had uh, going from the end of August to now. I mean, they blew out DC United. Uh, Colorado, the 10 man Colorado, they smacked them up. But then they had those two draws. They had Montreal, they had uh, San Jose, which I think those points, it, th- those are games that they should have won, right? So I personally don't think we've seen them at their absolute best yet. Uh, but I think the best is yet to come for them. And that's why for me, if you want to handicap the title race going in, you know, we're still five weeks left to go. Uh, even in the regular season right now, I, I'd have to slot LA in as the favorite right now to win it all. LA, hmm. You know, if you do that, then you know you're eliminating the chance for Seattle to be the first team to win all three trophies. So hey, you know, like I said, it's going to come down to those two games. Looking ahead at this weekend, first game is on Friday night. New England and Sporting Kansas City. New England has had Sporting Kansas City's number this year, but this match will be on the road. Sporting Kansas City. A few weeks ago, I was a little bit of a slump. They're now they're undefeated in their last three matches in all competitions, starting to heat up again. This is a huge, huge match between both of these teams on Friday night. What's going to take New England to be able to come in and walk away with victory? Uh, it, I, I don't know, man. I, they're playing well, uh, although they did. They are coming off of that loss in Columbus. I think Sporting Kansas City, uh, hit their recent break now that they had, they had some time off. They beat Chivas USA, uh, and they haven't played an MLS action since uh, September twelfth. They've had some time to relax. Uh, I think they're going to come in refreshed, and I think they're going to give New England uh, – I don't want to say they're going to give them a beating, but I think they're going to win this game. I think they're at home now. I know they did have that slump. They had that run of five losses and six matches in MLS play. Um, but 
you know, even with that run, that bad run that they had, I think toward the end of it, they started to show that they were turning it around a bit. I think they're going to be fine now. I think they're ready for the stretch run. They will be ready for the stretch run. And I think this game's going to tell us just how ready they are. Well, what are you going to be looking for in, in this game in terms of players? I mean, who, who do you, you know, what, what guys are going to be focusing on in this game? Well, obviously the star, the, the national team players that are involved. Uh, the, the midfield battle is huge, obviously, when you want to talk about New England with Lee Wynn and Jermaine Jones. Sporting Kansas City with Benny Failheiber and Graham Zussi. Uh, I think those are those are some pretty pretty big matchups. New England, th- th- this last game against Columbus kind of showed them slow down a bit, and, and you and you wonder can they keep that recent run of form that they had? Can they spark that on the road? And and I think it's going to be tough. I think New England uh, against some teams that have weaker midfields, they can control games and dominate games. Um, and then when they're at home, they also have that edge as well as they had against KC the last time these teams met. But I just think I think KC they, they, they needed a bit of a break. They needed a reset, and now they got that uh, by you know not having to play an MLS play for a while, uh, focus on Champions League. Now I think they come in when you want to talk about Dom Dwyer going up against Jose Gonzalez. That's a matchup people definitely want to look at because Dwyer's been on fire for them. Uh, so I think Casey's going to win. I said it. I think Casey's going to win. The, ba- the battle in the midfield, uh, Benny Failhaber and Jermaine Jones, seeing those two do battle, I think, it's really going to be that and Dwyer Gonzalez are the two matchups to watch. Well, Philadelphia is going on the road, taking on DC United. And DC right now, Ivis, is reeling. They only have one win in their last five matches. I mean, this looks like a really good opportunity for Philadelphia, who's on a good run of form in Major League Soccer play. You know, if you eliminate the US Open Cup final, I mean, great opportunity for Philadelphia to go into RFK and come away with a victory against DC that has just not been playing the best soccer as of late. I. I, I I think the uh, saying DC United's in the slump. It, 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 you look at these results, right? Uh, they, they've got a three-match uh, winless streak. But when you look at these games, the Chicago game was on the road, uh, and they fought back to get a point from that. So that that's not too terrible. The D, the, the Red Bulls game was, we all know, the the phantom red card, the, the highly questionable red card to Fabiano Spindola really changed that game. And then you had the Vancouver, the 0-0 in Vancouver, which, you know, for an East Coast team to go all the way to the West Coast and get a point, that's nothing to shake a stick at. So no. uh, when you look at so you look at it from that standpoint, are they really like in a really bad slump? I don't know if you could say that. As far as Philadelphia, Philadelphia has been playing better. Obviously, in MLS play, they, they, they're unbeaten in five. But, uh, you know, this Houston game that they had this past week, the, the 0-0, we started to see uh, shades of early season issues with them as far as finishing. And are they going to be able to shake that off? Go down to RFK and find their finishing shoes. Like, are they are, are they going to be able to get that back? Andrew Wenger, Connor Casey, Sebastian too. Are they going to be able to to, to find uh, find the net against the DC defense? That's pretty tough. So, this is not going to be an easy one for Philly by any means. I think DC uh, being back at home. I, I think DC is going to win this one. I think Philadelphia is going to go in, man. Come on. I didn't and I didn't say DC is in a slump. I said the reeling right now. So that's worse. That's worse. Reeling is worse than a slump. Really? I, I think a slump is worse than reeling. Reeling is like you're falling. Reeling is falling, falling. Slump is like, oh, uh, you're struggling. Like it's uh I think they're both bad. I don't think DC I don't think <laughs> Maybe e- I don't think either I don't think either applies to DC. I mean they just won a Champions League. Uh they're feeling good. They're feeling good. And they're good. They just got Eddie Johnson back from his concussion issues. Uh Chris Pontius is back now for them. Uh he, he made his first start in in a year or however long it was. So, you know what? They, I, I tell you what, I think they're feeling pretty good. Ben Olsen got a new contract. So, you know what? Things are going pretty well for DC. And, and they're gonna, I think they're going to beat Philly. 
Uh, yeah, maybe right. Maybe really is a bad term. I, look, I think Philadelphia is going to go in and come away with a victory. We, That's my we, prediction. Hey, it's possible. It's not impossible. There's one more thing that we do need to talk about. Uh, we, on the last show, you reported that Jim Curtin, the interim head coach label, was taken off from him. He would become the head coach. Now he's denying that. I, was, I mean, what, what's the latest going on here? Uh, you know what? I'm going to stay about my report, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that as far as I know, as far, as far as my sources are telling me, he has the job now. He has had the interim label removed. Now, why are they choosing not to actually acknowledge that, or why are they sticking to this whole story that nothing's changed? You got you. That's to, You got me on that one. I totally. Uh, I mean, honestly, the, the, my theory on it is Philly wants to win a game, and they want to make their announcement after a win. So if Philly does beat DC United. I've been willing a bet a pretty penny. We're going to have an announcement next week that Jim Curtin gets the job. Now, if they lose to DC, they're going to put it off and and they're going to try to play this whole game that oh, you know, he he doesn't have the job, he doesn't have the job. They'll wait till they play Chicago on Thursday. They'll beat Chicago and boom on Friday you got an announcement. Jim Curtin's going to get the job. So I, I would put it to you like this: I would be highly highly surprised if they don't announce it the next time they win a game. And if that happens, then you'll know why they decided to wait because as of right now. Jim Curtin's last two games in charge, they lost the Open Cup final, and they tied Houston 0-0. So there's kind of a bad taste in the mouth right now over, you know, do you announce it now or do you wait till uh, something better comes, uh, a better moment? And and for those who remember the Hackworth hiring, when Hackworth was hired as interim coach, they made the, they made the announcement after, I think it was after a pretty bad loss, so the timing of it was really not great. And maybe they maybe they learned a lesson from that. New York is going to be on the road taking on L.A. Galaxy. Ivis, what are the chances that New York takes down the two big giants in the Western Conference in back-to-back games? Any possibility of this happening? Uh, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Going out, going out west, and their track record playing out in L.A. is not great, right? I mean, playing the playing the Galaxy isn't great. Uh, the L.A. is playing really well. Uh, they're really tough at home. Uh, I think they're going to give the Red Bulls defense all they can handle. Uh, I think they're going to win. I think LA's going to win pretty pretty uh, handily and I think this Red Bulls run uh as impressive as it's been. I mean, they're what are they? 3-0 and 1 uh and and getting results against top teams. I mean, let's look at the teams they beat. KC, DC, and Seattle. You're talking three of the top 5 teams in the league, three of the top 6. Uh, obviously there were some fortunate things going their way during that run, but I think, you know what? Going to LA and winning in LA it's a completely different animal. LA's playing out of their minds right now. Hey, do you think this is going to play in New York's favor, though? That that they didn't, you know, have that bench to be able to play again, you know, in the Concacaf Champions League, so you get to rest all of your players. I mean, do you, do you think this is going to play into them and kind of give them that that added benefit of being able to rest these guys where they didn't none of them play this past week? Well, it's better that they didn't have to play them, but rest is relative. I mean, it's still. Whether or not Champions League existed, they would still have to be traveling all the way to the West Coast, and that's still an issue for all the teams that do it. All the teams that have to travel cross-country, they struggle, and there's a reason they struggle. They have to fly all the way across the country, and that, that has an impact on the player. So uh, I don't think that that doesn't help them at all, really. I mean, it, it, it helped them avoid being tired, but you know what? Let's just pretend the Champions League didn't exist. They still have to go all the way across the country and play a, an informed Galaxy team, and I don't see them beating them. We also Lake's going to be on the road taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Vancouver at home, I guess this is very important for them to come away with all three points. As we've talked about this, every time you think Vancouver is going to go quietly into the night, they seem to just kind of stay around. And against Real Salt Lake this weekend, is this an opportunity for them to come away with three points and kind of still stay in that playoff conversation? Uh, yeah, they're still there. They're still, but you know, I, I think I tell you, I think the Portland loss 
was kind of the the, the final blow that's going to send them kind of collapsing out of the race. And and you know, could they could they rally? Could they wake up and and pull a pull off a win here at home? Absolutely. I mean, we know how they are at home or how they can be at home. They can be a better team at home. Uh, this is a must win for them, no doubt about it. As Carl Robinson said, you know, these are all cup finals for them at this point. I know that's a cliche and all that, but this particular game, if you can't win at home, you're done as it is. RSL is not going to make it easy by any means. So I think if RSL can get a point out of this, they'll be happy. Although I th- I still think RSL has aspirations of pulling a surprise uh, move around LA and Seattle to grab the number one spot in the West. Uh, this would be an okay game, but like, what have we seen from Vancouver lately to make us believe that they're going to turn around and rally and finish strong at the end of the season? They we defeated San Jose two to zero, man. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good victory right there. Uh, not really. Uh, so you know, I, I I don't see it. I don't see them rallying, and I don't see them beating RSL. It's just you know, if you're a Vancouver fan, you're frustrated because you know you obviously see that you know the talent and the quality that your forwards have and Darren Maddox, you know Kukutmane, but. I just the rest of the team is just kind of if you I mean the other thing really for Vancouver that really stands out to me is when Gershon Kofi doesn't play Vancouver is a totally different team they need him back on the field and unfortunately he's probably going to come back it's going to be way too late for them and it's going to be another season that Vancouver is going to be scratching their head and wondering man what what could it have been this season for us yeah man I mean when you when you saw the way the season began for them it was pretty promising uh, they started off well but it, it, you look at the history of this club since they've been in MLS. Uh, it's like a broken record. First half of the season is usually promising and and encouraging, and you see some quality. Second half of the season, they fall apart. And, and it used to be Martin Rennie's fault, but here we are, same situation. So, uh, I, like I said, I don't see them turning it around. And look, don't, I don't think anyone gets a pass. I know you mentioned their forwards. Their forwards have talent, but it's not like their forwards have been lighting it up either. So I don't think anyone gets a pass for, Mont- uh, for Vancouver in, in, in this uh, run toward the end of the, the struggles that they've had. I mean, they haven't been able to score goals at all consistently. So, I mean, don't just put that on the midfield. I think that the midfield deserves some of the blame and the forwards deserve some of the blame. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think Vancouver's done. Yeah, it's like I said, man, it's another season where they'll go into the offseason and kind of scratch their heads and say, man, what what could have been if, if, you know, if everything kind of didn't, you know, not play out in their favor every single piece, but if things just were a little better. Uh, Columbus will be taking on Montreal Impact less than a month ago when these two teams met. Montreal defeated Columbus two to zero, and then after that, man, I, I, was, I mean, Montreal is—I don't want to say they're they're performing better, but they're a much tougher side to play ever since they've added uh, Ignacio Piatti. And this is not going to be an easy game for Columbus Crew at all this weekend. And Columbus, I mean, they they, they to stay in the playoff race, Ivis with Philadelphia and Toronto lurking. Columbus needs to be able to come away with all three points against an improved Montreal Impact side. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Montreal. Uh, I believe there are reports that Piatti is injured. Um, and if they if Piatti is injured, that's a big blow, obviously, for Montreal. He's been a key to their recent surge. Uh, so we have to see how that how that plays out. But, uh, you know, if you're Montreal, you, you're trying to play spoiler now. I mean, you're feeling pretty good, pretty good about the Champions League. You've locked up your knockout round spot there. Now you play a Columbus team that just can't afford any slip-ups. Um, when you look at the remainder of their schedule, as we talked about, we think it's going to be Columbus and Philly fighting out for that last spot. And when you look at the end of the season schedule for Columbus, they go New England, Philly, New York, Philly. They need the three points against Montreal. They need to put those in the bag uh, to help them you know, navigate that rough part of the season because right now they only have a two-point lead on Philly. If, and let's just, you know, if we break it out, 
if they win that game in Montreal, if Philly loses to D.C., all of a sudden you're talking about a five-point cushion heading into those all-important last games, which will make things a, li- a lot easier for them. It'll, it'll, it'll be kind of a security blanket for them now. If Columbus doesn't get all three points and if Philadelphia happens to pull the upset in D.C., all of a sudden Philly is right on, is right, is right on top of them or even surpassing them. So this is a big game for Columbus. If they want to be taken seriously as a playoff team, they have to win that game. Portland's going on the road and taking on Toronto FC this weekend. Portland's bringing with them probably half a roster full of guys who did play for Toronto FC at one point this season. Uh, but obviously, I mean, this is a matchup between two teams that, you know, I, I think a lot of people expected to be a little bit in a better standing at this point in the season. Uh, Portland run of form is much better than Toronto's right now. I mean, what are the chances that Portland goes in there and adds to Toronto's misery and comes away with a victory? Uh, I'm not sold on Toronto. I know I did. I do find it funny that, you know, they go beat up on uh, on Chivas USA, and all of a sudden everything has changed. Greg Vanny is just going crazy. His first win. There's all this feel good uh, emotion coming out of Toronto, and you can't blame him, right? It's been so long uh, since they had had a win that they, you know they're going to feel good about it. But it's not like they played great in that game. That game against Chivas USA. Chivas USA was atrocious, and T. T- TFC was just slight, uh, a little bit better. Now, they play a Portland team that's, that's really confident right now, even though, once again, we got a West Coast team having to travel east. It's never easy. Uh, but for me, I think uh, th- this is a game Toronto has to win. They have to win. Portland doesn't necessarily have to win, but they want to get a point out of it. Uh, this could be a good one to watch because, you know what? We'll see if <laughs> Chivas USA will live up to the name of Slump Buster in this, and, and if Toronto, Toronto really has turned it around and, and uh, you know, change their mood now after having that, getting that one win under their belt. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I like Portland though. I think Portland's gonna go there and get at least a point. I think they could even pull off the victory, uh, even though it's a must-win for Toronto. I just think, you know, I'm not convinced yet. I need to see them play well against a good opponent before I even give them any chance of uh, climbing in, seriously climbing into the playoff picture. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, it's going to be tough, and, and you don't have Jermaine Defoe coming, you know, out of injury to, to rescue you in the, in this game. He doesn't come back till October fourth. It's it's just a tall task for Toronto FC. Uh, looking at another game, Colorado San Jose, and in this one, I mean, look, San Jose is out of the playoffs, but Colorado Ivis, for as much as the tailspin that they have been in, there is still an outside chance that they can get white hot, go on an incredible run, and make the playoffs. Stranger things have happened in Major League Soccer. Do you think this could happen with Colorado? Absolutely not. Oh, they're, come on. Give them a to- chance. They're toast. They are toast. They're, it's done. It's done. At this point, start playing the young guys, Pablo. Uh, I mean, he already plays the young guys. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not one of these people who think who believes that's why he's in this situation he's in. I just think, you know, they had some injuries. And, and you know, uh, I think they, they need to start building toward the future. They're, what are they now? Eight points out of the playoffs. They're eight points out of the playoffs with five games to go. Uh, Vancouver's ahead of them as well. They're, 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 there's no chance. There's no chance. Also, another match, Chicago and Houston. Could Houston Ivis get hot and make the playoffs? Mm, I don't. I never like. I never like writing off Houston. But uh, yeah, they're, 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 it's, it's tough. It's tough. There's so many teams ahead of them. Uh, stranger things have happened. They do have a game in hand on everybody ahead of them except Toronto. Uh, so let's just say hypothetically they won that game in hand. They'd have 36 points. Then they'd only be four out. But it's just tough when you have so many teams ahead of you. You need too many things to go right for you. And when you talk about when you think about the fact that Columbus and Philly play each other 
and there's going to be points registered by one of those teams, it makes it even tougher. So, yeah, I think I think I said it last show. I think this is it for Houston. I think they're done. Okay. Looking at percentages, who has a better chance, Colorado or Houston? Houston. Okay. Houston, absolutely. Absolutely Houston. Because I think Houston is going to be – Houston can be in games. I mean, Colorado's been getting destroyed. They've been getting crushed. They, they're just – their defense is an absolute shambles. Uh, Houston actually can be in games. I think they're going to register points, and and I think they're going to finish the, the season well. But I just don't think it's going to be enough for them to catch uh, everybody. Uh, and right now there's three teams they need to pass. And it's just tough to pass three teams, especially when two of them play each other twice. You're going to have points registered by bo- one of them. Even like, Hypothetically, even if they both – even if they tie both those games, you still got points in the pocket. So it, it – it's a long shot for Houston, but I'd say Colorado's done. They're done. I, they're done. Uh, sorry, and I think Rapids fans have to be. They have to realize that they have to see the way their team's looking right now. So uh, it's unfortunate the way it all fell apart for them. But uh, you, you know, if anything, it shows you the. It shows you what Oscar Pereja meant uh, when you look at what what Pereja has done with FC Dallas and the struggles that uh, Colorado have had this year. It shows you the quality that Oscar Pereja brings to the table. Uh, looking over at the Americans abroad front, Ivis, Joe Zhao made his debut for Dortmund. It's uh, great to see an American playing for uh, you know a top-level club, especially not, not just in Europe, just also in Germany, too. He did come off the bench, play 16 minutes, but uh, just great to see Joe Zhao, who a lot of Americans got to see in that last international match. And uh, you know he looks like a player that could have a, a lot of potential for future years to come. Oh, that's obviously a big step for him. And and when you think about the fact that there were definitely some questions about his decision to sign with Dortmund's uh, second team, uh, and and I'm sure some that I know for a fact there was some skeptics who thought uh, it was a bad move, that it wasn't realistic, that uh, the chances of him uh, getting first team minutes, and and obviously he's he's had to had some luck his way. Uh, Dortmund is dealing with a, a bunch of injuries. Uh, to their first team, and that opened the door for Joe Zhao. But that's why you take that chance if you're Joe Zhao. And, and, and he he obviously had confidence in himself. Uh, you know, Dortmund obviously came after him with, with David Wagner on, on, on uh, Dortmund too. Uh, so he took that opportunity and he made the most of it. And this is only the first step. Uh, Joe has to make the most of every minute that he gets. But I tell you what, man, you got to be feeling pretty good about his stock right now. We also had a Freddie Adu sighting, Ivis, with all the turmoil that he's kind of gone under with the managerial change and is he going to blah, 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 and all that stuff. He did come off the bench and did play 20 minutes. So uh, good to see Freddie Adu getting some minutes. Oh, that's huge for him. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's obviously been a rough go for him. And, and I think people probably would have expected him to step in and become a regular starter when you think about the Serbian league and, and whatever the, you know, the level that that is. And uh, it hasn't worked out that way. I know he, from what I understand, he's had some injury issues that he'd had to deal with, but even with the, even with those, uh, you know, he's finally healthy now. Uh, he's got a new coach. He's got to impress. And, and it's good to see that the new manager has given him a look already. And, and we'll see if that gets, if, if that turns into him working his way into a starting role, because he's just got to get games and, 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 I think at this point, everyone's just kind of leaving him be and uh, writing him off, and it's probably better for him. I think he does well when everyone just stops talking about him and, and, he's, and the, he's off the radar and the spotlight's off him. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you, but playing in the Serbian league just seems a little too far off the radar or the spotlight. People still care, though. People, He's still got his fans who, 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 who eat up any update you give, and obviously he's got his detractors who, who will uh, take any chance they get to shoot – shoot him down and, and, and give him crap. And it is what it is. You know, he's, he's obviously been in the spotlight for so long that 
when you're in a spotlight as long as he's been, you're going to have people who love you and people who hate you. So right now, you know, he just needs to get his career going. He needs to get on that field and get playing time. And he's still relatively young. I mean, what is he, 24, uh, 24, 25? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, looking ahead at this weekend's action, Tim Howard and uh, Everton will be taking on, you know, local side, you know, that one of their biggest rivals, Liverpool, uh, this weekend, Ivis. And uh, look, this is a match that both of these clubs, where they sit in the Premier League table, they, they need three points. This could be a good match this weekend. Absolutely a big game. As you know, every time they play, it's it's dramatic and there's a lot of passion involved. Tim Howard is going to be looking to get back on track after his rough outing, his last time out in league play. Uh, and it, it's, it's still early in the season for both these teams, but I think uh, if you're Everton, you, you want to get these three points. Actually, both teams want it because they both uh, have had some rough results of late. Uh, like I look forward to seeing it. Well, Ivis reports did come out this week that Sunil Galati wants the FIFA ethics report to come out and made public. And, and if you're asking what that is, the FIFA ethics report, that, that is the inquiry that went into determine the bidding process for the World Cup in Russia and the World Cup in Qatar and regarding the ethics report and all that. Now things are coming out saying that the report's not going to be made public and, and only certain parts of it are going to be made public. I mean, the transparency of FIFA, we all know what it is. Um, but, I mean, he, look, he, he's asking for it to maybe be made public. I, I, was, I don't see it happening, but, I mean, you know, something needs to be done. Pressure needs to be starting being put on, on these FIFA top guys for, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing. It's good to see Galadia step up and ask for that. Uh, we'll see if that, that actually leads to anything. And, uh, I did. I do find. I did find it interesting that you know there was some reaction from from critics of Galati who 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 will ask questions about about U.S. soccer itself and is the U.S. soccer house clean itself and the, are there questions about about a a president who runs unopposed uh, over and over and 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 how how much of a uh, democracy uh, American soccer is even running? So I, I think that's you know, you always find it interesting to hear hear, hear kind of critics come out and and, and question the standing of, a, of someone like Galati, but I, I think on the American front, it's good to hear an American voice uh, step up and, and ask for some reform. And uh, we'll see if, if anything comes to that. I just get a kick out of uh, uh, Seth Blatter uh, just, you know, just looking like a fool uh, when he talks about how FIFA's on the forefront of, re- of reform and, and, and fighting corruption. It's like, no one believes you, man. Like, shut up already. It is what it is. Yeah, it's... It... It's unfortunate. I mean, I, I don't. I just. I don't see anything being done. Do you? I mean, I know there's gonna be all these things and finger pointing and oh, you know, you know they did something bad, but I mean, I just don't see anything ever, ever, you know, coming to an end, a resolution. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a yeah. It's gonna take more than a. It's gonna take a lot to clean up to clean up FIFA and. This report, uh, sad to say, I don't think it's going to do that much. And now it's Q&A time. As always, everyone, you could submit your questions on Twitter using hashtag AskTheSBIShow. First question comes from Tyler at ECU. Ivis, in past years, you've done an MLS Best 23 under 23. Will you be creating a similar list this year? Uh, actually, uh, I did last year I did a, uh, I think it was 20, top 22 under 22 uh, to kind of go along with, uh, for those, I'm sure people have seen it, but uh, MLSsoccer.com uh, put out their annual 24 under 24. And I've kind of countered that with, with a bit of a younger take on it, just because, you know, I think it's fair to say most people who follow the, the international game, 24 and 23 is not really young for a professional soccer player. It's already, you know, when you're 23, you should already be in your prime uh, when you look at, around the world, uh, you know, players, once they hit 22, 23, they should already be pros, should already be playing regularly. So for me, I think measuring the players that are 21 and under 
put gives you a better gauge uh, of of young talent being developed. Uh, I I did one of those last year, and I will do another one for Goal.com. Uh, we'll see when that gets. I think I'm going to try to drop that on Monday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Twenty. It'll. Pro- I don't know if it's top twenty under twenty two or top twenty two under twenty two, but uh, I will have a list out. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jonathan Moore asks, "Where the hell is Juan Agadello?" Juan Agadello is waiting for a move uh, in the in the January transfer window. I think there were some opportunities in the summer, uh, and that's and for whatever reason he, he they didn't pan out. Uh, I think he had a few things in the fire that uh, you know didn't come through, and uh, and he's still holding out for something better. Uh, you know, obviously he's in a unique spot when you, when he's you think about the fact that he's a free agent and. You know, uh, he, he probably didn't want to just jump on something that may have not been appealing uh, and locked himself into a longer deal. I mean, it's unfortunate that he hasn't uh, signed anywhere and, and, and he's not playing now. I mean, when you think about it at this point in his career, uh, he's got to be playing games. But uh, hopefully this whole lengthy delay will be proven worthwhile if he makes a good move in January. And uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Caro asks, why doesn't Obafemi Martins get national team looks in Nigeria, or does he, and we just don't notice because it's on a B-sides? Basically, Nigeria has moved on. Uh, Their manager has has younger players that he wants to focus on and give them the opportunity to develop. Uh, So he's pretty much moved on from Obafemi Martins, and uh, it's unfortunate for Martins, but it's great for Seattle because you don't have him uh, flying off to Africa and playing in, in games and, and adding more wear and tear uh, to his aging body. I mean, it's it, considering the way he's playing right now, if you're Seattle, you have to love the fact that you don't have to worry about him going away for national team games. Uh, next question comes from Rod. Can you make the shorter, shorter, short, bleh, shows shorter than 90 minutes, please? Uh, we have, we, we're, apparently, we're struggling to do that, Rod. We're, we're trying to make them shorter. I think this show might actually wind up being the shortest we've had in a while. Uh, but I hear it from both sides. I hear, I hear, I hear people say it's too long. But I'm getting there's a lot of people. I feel more and more people now are coming out and saying they like the longer shows. So you know what? If you don't like the longer show, just listen to what you can listen to. Save some of it for later. Like you know, when you get a big, big meal and you don't want to eat the whole thing, you know, save some for a snack later. That's all you got to do. I like that. That's I, that, <laughs> I like the way you put that, Ivis. Yeah, absolutely. Save our save our end of the show banter. You know, when you're bored and you have nothing else, then go back and listen to listen to that. There like, you go. like today, it's Friday. I mean, let's face it. Does anyone really work on Friday? So this is one of those days where you can go back and listen to it. Because I absolutely. mean, I'm gonna go. Into, I'm not working today. <laughs> not, you, yeah, you you still wake. You still have to wake up. Actually, <laughs> take it easy. Uh, next question comes from Daniel Holt. Who is the best player in NASL and the best in the USL Pro? Well, uh, as far as and as far as USL Pro, the consensus seems to be that Kevin Molino was the best player in USL Pro. He is on his way now to MLS mm-hmm. uh, with Orlando City, so I think that that's you know a big step for him. Uh, is he someone who's going to make an impact right away? I, I mean, you hear people say that. You see, you hear people say that he has the quality. I think I think Dom Dwyer is someone who's come out and said that he thinks Molino can make an impact right away. So uh, he's someone you know keep an eye out if you if you haven't had a chance to watch much usl pro or haven't heard uh about usl pro players kevin molino is gonna gonna be one to keep your eye out uh as far as nesl goes uh you have to look at, at some of the players on minnesota uh minnesota united who who, are, who have really uh, impressed uh christian ramirez uh has had some outstanding highlight reel moments but he's also you know just been a great player for them 
and, and also Miguel Ibarra, another a midfielder for Minnesota, quality player. Now, it should be noted that as far as I understand it, both those players are under contract to Minnesota and won't necessarily be available to the MLS expansion teams. I don't know if that was kind of what your question was in relation to, but I did I did kind of make a point to ask uh, Minnesota's owner uh, about those guys because you'd like to think, you know, if anyone could, if anyone in MLS could grab a Christian Ramirez, they probably would. And, and I'm sure a few teams would be interested in Miguel Ibarra, who, interestingly enough, with Ibarra, I mean, I remember him being in the MLS Combine, and, uh, you know, he just, it was just a tough, tough uh, stretch of games for him to get tough uh, series. Because, look, the Combine is an imperfect measuring tool to measure qualities of players because you got these, you know, players who are just thrown together. They're not familiar with each other. And it's almost, it's almost inevitable year after year you see the most creative players, those those attacking midfielders, those playmaker types struggle in the combine format. And, you know, when, when you have teams that aren't familiar with these guys, if they're not from larger schools, then it's tough for them to kind of really make an impression to enough to get drafted in a good spot. And I think Ibarra is kind of one of those guys that fell through the cracks and now he's in NASL playing well. And uh, maybe he will get a chance at, at MLS at some point. Uh, but you know, it's just, th- these are just two guys. There's, there's quite a bit of talent down in, in the NASL and I, I'm interested to see which NASL players make the jump to one of these expansion teams between, uh, NYCFC and Orlando. Next question comes from Eric Fox with all their attacking players coming back for playoffs. Eddie Johnson, Rolf, Chris Pontius is DC, the dark horse for MLS cup. Uh, getting Pontius and Johnson back is obviously huge. Uh, I still think they're in that conversation. Um, a dark horse, yeah, dark. I think there's someone who they, in theory, they could potentially uh, be uh, win it, but I think they're sec- they're in that second tier. I think I still think the same four are in that top four. Like I said, you know, all year, Seattle, LA, RSL, and KC, and then I think you have kind of the second tier now where you have DC, FC, Dallas, and uh, you got to put New England in there as well as the, that kind of second tier of dark horse teams. Even the Red Bulls, you know, as much as I, I've said all year, I, I'm not convinced by them. Uh, I don't, I don't think they they did enough to improve their bench, uh, and that could come back to haunt them. But the way their lineup has come together, and the way they've looked uh, in these past few weeks, has impressed me. And obviously, having Bradley Bradley Wright Phillips just turn into a goal machine, and have their and having their midfield really come together uh, to help support a defense that had its issues earlier in the season, things are coming together well for the Red Bulls. I just wonder if they have enough left in the tank to make a full run from now all the way through the playoffs. They're an older team. They've had to play a lot of minutes because of that bench not being as strong as they'd like it. Uh, And I think at a certain point, they could absolutely run out of gas. But you know what? The way Terry Henry is playing, the way Bradley Wright Phillips is playing, the way Luis Robles is playing, uh, I think he could Is is Robles goalkeeper of the year? No, he's not goalkeeper of the year. I think... I think Ramondo and Hamid are the top two guys in that conversation. I think Ramondo, I think this is the year Ramondo wins it, but uh, I got to be honest, I think Bill Hamid in the second half of the season uh, has, for my money, put together a stronger overall body of work this year than Ramondo. I think Ramondo maybe will finally win it because he's never won it, and, and he's been great. And he's been great. Look, let's face it, he's been great. But I think for me, uh, all things being equal, I think Hamid ha- has had. A better season. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I think Hamid's the pick. Uh, those are your top two, but then Robles, when you look at the rest of the goalkeepers in the league, I think Robles, if you want to talk about a third team all MLS, I think Robles is kind of your third best goalkeeper. 
Uh, next question is asked by Gabe Jimenez. Do you think Qatar will actually be stripped of the World Cup? Do I, th- I think it could. I think they could be stripped of the World Cup. Do I think they will be stripped? That's so tough to say, you know. I, th- I just, I mean, when you think about all the stuff that's come out, and they still have the World Cup, and and uh, so from that standpoint, uh, I, I think it could happen. I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it will happen. I do think it's funny that that they that there's actual now serious consideration of moving the World Cup to the winter to help, uh, you know, to help deal with the weather. In Qatar, and 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 that's that's an absolute joke because if they couldn't have the World Cup at the regular time of year that it always is, they should not have been given the World Cup. You can't make, you change everything around and force te- uh, leagues to adjust their their whole schedules just to just to you know make room for this this World Cup. And uh, you know, for me, we've there's still some time to go. Hopefully, they 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 give the World Cup to somebody else. But uh, at this point, I still say it's up in the air. More importantly, make you change your winter schedule. I mean, how dare they do that to you? Oh, well, I mean, it's not changing MLS schedule. Actually, it works out perfectly for MLS. But um, I'm talking MLS. I'm talking the Ivis schedule. You know, because oh, I don't you know, you, you know, oh, you no, do I, I'm, not about, <laughs> I'm not talking about me. Listen, I would much rather probably go to Qatar in the winter than go. You know, be in 150 degrees. You know, weather in Qatar in the summer. I mean, I tell you what, I'll just be happy if I'm 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 alive and I'm there. Uh, that's a that's still alive and there. I was so like, <laughs> hey, we're not we're not promised tomorrow, my man. We're not promised tomorrow. That's eight years away, and you always have to. Got, you, you can't take things for granted. So eight years from now, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll win the lottery and I'll be retired. Uh, you know, living life of luxury. You know, on the beach. So you know, it is what it is. We'll see. Hopefully, Qatar. For me, if I could wave a magic wand, I would take it from Qatar. I'd give it. <coughs> I'd give it to Australia. And I know some people will say, wait a minute. <coughs> Why not the USA? Why wouldn't you want America to have another World Cup? You know what? The USA had one in 94. Why not give it to Australia? They've never had a World Cup. Uh, it's kind of uncharted territory. And, you know, I'm being a little selfish here. It's the only inhabited continent I have yet to be, uh, yet to yet to visit. So I wouldn't mind going to Australia. If you go to retire on the beach, I'm so vis- going to visit you all the time. <laughs> you, you're gonna have to wear a lot of sunblock then. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I do get red pretty quickly. I dude, I'm outside for like two seconds and I can already feel my skin starting to burn out here in Arizona. That's bad. Uh, the last question comes from Eric Wilderson. Hey, Ivis, look, you looking forward to coming back to Portland for playoffs? How far can the Timbers go? Backline looking good. Well, I am looking forward to going back. I it looks like I'm changing my schedule around a bit. I had planned to to take a few West Coast swings in October. Uh, for the regular season, I was I was hoping to get out to Portland, get out to Seattle and LA. But just looking at the way things are shaping up, with the Eastern Conference being such a such a dogfight for playoff spots, I'm probably going to stay home now, stay on the East Coast, and uh, you know, stay focused on DC, Philly, New York, and New England, and uh, save my West Coast trips for the playoffs. As far as Portland goes, uh, you know, consider the opposition at this point when you want to talk about how their defense is coming together. They need to play a tough defense. Uh, they need to play a tough attack and shut down a tough attack before you really want to start talking about how you know where they are and how they've come along. And you know, it, it, <clears throat> there are promising signs. I will give you that. Uh, but let, let's look at the you know the rest of the, actually the rest of their schedule uh, at the end of the year. I think we said it last show. They have RSL and they have FC Dallas in their last two games of the year. Those games are the kind of games that are going to really tell me if Caleb Porter's defense is finally figure things out, finally settle down, finally become the unit 
that can help them make a run. Uh, you can't really base it off of you know playing a team like Vancouver, playing a team like Colorado, San Jose. I mean, look, they, they gave up three goals to San Jose. They gave up two goals to Colorado. So, I mean, how much have they really have they really turned it around? Oh, Ivis, that ends the SBI Q and A. We have a. I mean, we we covered a lot of bases today, man. Anything else that we need to discuss that we <laughs> that we missed? What, what what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I think we got everything. I think it's uh, you know we I mean we just had a show two days ago, so I think. I, th- I thought we did pretty well. I thought we had a lot of stuff to talk about, considering we just had a show two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good weekend. There's going to be, you know, as we saw, quite a, a quite a, uh, a bit of, of good MLS matchups, some good games in Europe. Uh, you have a couple of good derbies. When you want to talk about the Merseyside derby, uh, there's a, a London derby, Arsenal-Tottenham, obviously. And uh, in the college game, uh, on the college game, uh, there's some really good matchups that you can actually see uh, online, whether it's ESPN3 or on cable, there's a couple of matches. So make sure you check out SBI uh, for our weekend uh, college preview and also our rankings, which will be coming out pretty shortly. What's, what's, what's the big matchup this weekend for college soccer? Uh, the, well, the big matchup today, Friday night, you got Notre Dame facing North Carolina, uh, ACC clash. Uh, it is still weird to call uh, say Notre Dame's an ACC, but you know you have two top 10 teams going at it. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. And that's on ESPN three. So if you have, you know, if you have ESPN three, if you have access, make sure you check that game out. There are some pretty good uh, pro prospects that'll be on display in that game. Nice. Well, uh, Ivis, man, let's uh, let's wrap up today's show. We are just over the hour mark, so we can cut down on the hour and a half shows for for everyone. So, wow, one hour show. I yeah. think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ramble for a half hour now. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you go. I-, I know you're getting bombarded with stuff on- out there on the East Coast. So, man, uh, you have a good weekend, Ivis, and uh, I'll catch you uh, catch you on Sunday night. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews and all the support that you give Ivis and myself. We will be back again on Monday morning. This is the SBI Show.